Can Christians support transhumanism? What is transhumanism? Transhumanism is the idea that we can extend, that we can expand human nature to reach beyond human nature, to become something better than human through technology, through science, through magic, through astrology, fill in the blank. That's transhumanism. Now, people will say, well, you know who the first person to use the word transhuman is? Dante, the author of the Divine Comedy, the Inferno, the Purgatorio, the Paradise, Paradiso. And in fact, it's in the opening of part three of the Divine Comedy where Dante uses the verb for tra to transhuman, to open up beyond the human. But here he's talking about heaven. Now, today's also the feast day of St. Albert the Great, the tutor, the master of St. Thomas Aquinas. There's also a legend associated with him regarding the philosopher's stone. You probably maybe know that idea from Harry Potter, the Sorcerer's Stone. We're going to look into that. And also, there's a legend, which is false, about Albert the Great creating the first droid. That's right. A talking head. I'm not talking about the 80s band, the talking heads. I'm talking about a legend of Albert the Great inventing a droid. A talking head that answered questions. We'll look at that today. And then we'll also look at the first actual robot human robot droid made by King Philip II in Spain. It's a robot that imitates St. Didicus, and it's super creepy. So with all this in the background, you know, you might say, well, if there's all these medieval legends and Dante's using the word transhuman and King Philip II of Spain created this humanoid droid, um, and then Thomas Aquinas also talks about transcending human nature in the beatific vision. He calls it becoming deiform, theiform, God form. What is that? Well, there's two ways of understanding this idea of transhuman. The way Dante understands it, which is going to be in line with Thomas Aquinas, which is orthodox, which is biblical, as we'll see in 2 Peter. And then there's another form of transhumanism that I'm going to argue today that is satanic, that is prideful, that is perverted and inverted. And we're going to learn the difference today. So today is a philosophy day. In case you don't know me, my name is Dr. Taylor Marshall. My PhD is in philosophy, and we are going to be literally ripping it off the bone, getting into the meat of this topic of transhumanism humanism, and Christianity, in particular, the medieval Catholic tradition. All right, before we do that, we will pray, and we will invoke God our Father, uh, praying the Our Father, the Pater Noster in Latin, Oremus, in nomine Patris, et Fidii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra. Panam nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libra nos amalo. Amen. Nomini Patris et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. 
Amen. All right. Well, since today, first off, I just want to say transhumanism is really popular right now in the technological circles. Everyone is super excited that we're going to create robotics, genetics, all of this scientific insight in order to not just live longer, to live to be 100, 110, 120, but also to augment everything, to enter into a metaverse, basically to live in a video game, and then also to augment um, our hands, our feet, our bodies, maybe even our hearts and our lungs, our eyeballs, and to become sort of these blended humans. And I'm going to argue that this is very dangerous, and this is actually satanic, and it goes back to the lie of Satan in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, and we'll look at that. Before I do, I want to have a little fun, and I'm going to show you um, the first android, the first robot. It comes from Catholic Europe. It comes from the 1500s. I'm going to go into my shared view here. And uh, this is an article I wrote a long time ago. If you don't know my website, taylormarshall.com, I've written over 3,000, maybe 4,000, I don't know, articles on philosophy, Catholicism, etc. And I'm going to show you this. This is a St. Didicus robot. Let me make sure y'all can see it. Yeah, it's really creepy. Um, I made a whole podcast about this back in 2013. That's right, I've been podcasting that long. There's a whole podcast. You can go back or you can search this. There's a link to the podcast. But I talk about King Philip of, uh, of Spain, Philip II. He created a robot that was an imitation of St. Didicus in order to commemorate his son, Don Carlos, um, being healed. So Don Carlos fell down some stairs and his head swole up like a giant pumpkin. And he went blind and he lost conscious, consciousness. The corpse of St. Didicus was brought into the prince and touched to the prince and he was healed. The swelling went down, he got his eyesight, everything went back to normal. So the king, Philip II, wanted to commemorate this miracle and so he made a robot that wound up. This is in the 1580s. It walks around. It's, it, the, the non-existent legs are underneath the habit of St. Didicus. The mouth moves up and down like a puppet. And it strikes its breast for the mea culpa. And currently, if you want to see this robot, it's in America. It's in the Smithsonian. And here's a little video of what it looks like. Check this out. It's super weird. By the way, if you like this video, give it a thumbs up. Subscribe if you're new. Hit the bell. Here it is. Look at this thing. It looks like a Franciscan friar with the habit. And you can see the feet at the bottom. Let me see if I can blow this up a little bit for y'all. Isn't this weird? The mouth is moving. Look at this. I guess the king just see the mouth going up and down. I think the king like brought this, you know, into court and was like, check out this thing I made. It's holding the beads and it's in a habit and it walks around the feet, pitter-patter, and it's striking the chest. See that? Odd. Okay. Now the next thing I'm gonna share with you is this next part of the article. Today's the feast day of Saint Albert the Great. And that's why I'm doing uh, today's show 
on transhumanism and Dante. So that's Albert the Great. He was the master, the mentor of St. Thomas Aquinas. This guy studied everything in nature, philosophy, biology. He studied plants and reptiles and the stars and, of course, theology. He was a Dominican. And there's a tradition. This is a fable. This is a myth. It is not true. Okay. Oh, by the way, if you want to get this book for free, Thomas Aquinas in 50 pages, you can get it at taylormarshall.com. According to the myth, he created a head that was made out of brass and you could ask it questions and it would answer you. So this is the original iPhone Siri. This is a legend. It's not true. It's a myth. All right. So you could go up to the head and you could ask it a question and it would say beep, bop, boop, boop, and it would tell you the info. All right. This is obviously false. Another, that's a brass head, but a different one. By the way, I found out preparing for the show, transhumanists are actually taking the Baphomet image and um, making it into Darth Vader. It's really weird. The other oddity is that, I'm going to get out of the screen here because you don't, there's nothing to see, is that there was a legend that the Philosopher's Stone, which is a stone that could turn base metals into gold and create an elixir that if you drank it, it would give you length of life that Albert the Great discovered this stone. And according to the false tradition, he passed on that stone, the Philosopher's Stone, to Thomas Aquinas right before he died. How do we know that this myth is false? Thomas Aquinas died chronologically before the death of Albert the Great. So this whole story is totally bogus. J.K. Rowling, who's super into transhumanism, she has Solveig Coagula, tattooed on her wrist, which is the same Latin phrase that's on Baphomet statue. Her first book was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. They changed it to Sorcerer's Stone because they thought Philosopher's Stone was weird. That's referring to Thomas Aquinas, the false legend. I'm sorry, the false legend of Albert the Great giving this stone to Thomas Aquinas. It's all false. It's totally false. But this shows you that the idea of magic um, transforming the nature of base metals like lead into gold and extending life, creating an elixir of life. The, the transhumanism idea goes back hundreds of years. It's not something that came along with computers and video games. This is something that's been around a long time. And I'm going to argue it's been around since the first two human beings, our parents, Adam and Eve, and yes, I believe Adam and Eve are historical persons. Here's what we read in Genesis chapter 3. And the serpent said to the woman, No, you shall not die the death. For God doth know that in what day soever you shall eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good to eat, and fair to the eyes, and delightful to behold. And she took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave to her husband who did eat. And boom, humanity fell into sin, original sin. Death entered the world. Concupiscence, the inordinate desire we have, for example, to eat way too much chips before dinner, to lust, to be greedy, all these inordinate desires that we have to take vengeance, 
They come from this very moment. And the sales pitch from the serpent was that ye shall become as gods. In other words, the serpent said, let's talk about transhumanism, Eve. You want to transcend what you are as a human, don't you? You want to become like gods. And she reached out and the first false communion in the hand ever happened. Eve reached out with her hands in pride and communicated with death. Received death into her body and into her soul. Now, what was offered to Adam and Eve originally was eternal life, perfect communion with God, if they were to pass this test. And that's offered to us, you and me, through the cross of Jesus Christ, who hangs upon the wooden tree as the fruit of the womb, the fruit of the Virgin Mary, the new fruit of eternal life. He says, take, eat, this is my body. This is the Eucharist. This is Christ. This is the new partaking, not of death. The salesman here is not the serpent. Rather, the message, the forerunner is John the Baptist pointing at him and saying, Behold the Lamb of God. What do you do with the Passover lamb? You eat the lamb. And we receive, we don't reach out with our nasty paws like Eve did and Adam did. We receive in humility the food, the bread of life, who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, we read by St. Peter, our first pope, 2 Peter 1.4, by whom we have, he hath given us most great and precious promises that by these you may be partakers of the divine nature, flying the corruption of that concupiscence, concupiscence which is in the world. Second Peter teaches us that we shall be made partakers of the divine nature. See, there is, in a way, this longing in us to extend out of our human nature and become in union, communion with God. That again is what the Eucharist is. It's communion with God. We are partakers of the divine nature through baptism, through the Eucharist, and ultimately in the beatific vision, which is heaven, we will be united. We will be a partaker of the divine nature. We will still be human, but we will become what St. Thomas Aquinas calls deiform. I remember the first time I ever heard this. I was reading the Summa Theologiae. It's in part one, question 12, in articles five and six. And there, St. Thomas Aquinas teaches the principle of deiformity. That humans, when we die, when we are purified of our sins, if we go to purgatory, we will be ushered in to the light of glory, and we will become what he calls deiform. Let me read this to you. This is St. Thomas Aquinas. Just so you know, I'm not making up stuff trying to trick you. By the way, always do your own research. I'm just a dad on a webcam above my garage. Sometimes you can hear the garage door open right below me. Do your own research. 
I'm just trying to help you out here. Here's what Thomas Aquinas says, talking about the beatific vision and the light of glory. He says, by this light, the blessed, those are the people in heaven, are made deiform, that is, like unto God, according to the saying, when he shall appear, we shall be like to him. And, as the Vulgate says, because we shall see him as he is. So that's quoting 1 John 3, 2. When he shall appear, Jesus Christ, we shall be like to him. We will be conformed to the Son of God, who became incarnate for our salvation. In the reply to objection two, St. Thomas Aquinas says, the disposition to the form of fire can be natural only to the subject of that form. Hence, the light of glory cannot be natural to a creature unless the creature has a divine nature, which is impossible. But by this light, the rational creature is made deiform of that divine nature. And that is the longing that we have. Now, what happens is the serpent, who is Satan, the pompous, prideful technology experts of our time believe, you know what, we can somehow achieve this without God, without Jesus Christ, without baptism, without the Eucharist, without the incarnation through the Immaculate Womb of the Virgin Mary, Holy Theotokos. And that, my friends, is the distinction. So when Dante, when writing the Divine Comedy, uses the term to transhuman, it's in uh, the opening canto of the Paradiso. It's transhumanar, is the verb to transcend human nature, to go beyond human nature. Yes, Christ came in the womb of the Blessed Mother. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose on the third day. He ascended into heaven. How? I mean, all by supernatural power. But the reason he did it was to elevate our human nature. As St. Athanasius the great theologian says that God became man so that man could become God. This is what they call in the Eastern Church theosis, in the Western Church deification. And it is totally orthodox and totally legit, taught by the saints, even St. John of the Cross. It's this elevation of the human nature, but it's in Christ, the God-man. Christ came down to lift us up and to make us partakers of the divine nature. Now, when you try to do that on your own, what do you get? You get Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. You get something. Well, if you read the novel, Frankenstein isn't just like, Ugh. he's brilliant. He's well read. He becomes philosophical. But he's a mutant. And there's something unnatural and something ultimately wicked about trying to harness nature by our own powers and elevate it to God. This is why whenever I talk about Freemasonry, people say, uh-oh, here come the tinfoils. Here comes the conspiracy theory. And I say, no, 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 just take a deep breath. Freemasonry, this, the lodges, all of that are just clubs. They're groups for people to discuss, ultimately, humanism or transhumanism. And that's why the two allegories used by Freemasonry are alchemy. We talked about it again 
today with with uh, Saint Albert, the false legend, that you could take a philosopher's stone. And isn't it interesting that J.K. Rowling has the Baphomet uh, Solvate Coagula on her hand, and her first novel is named after this false legend of today's saint, Saint Albert the Great. That you could take this stone and somehow take lead or steel or copper and by somehow using this stone, the philosopher's stone, you could transform that into gold. The allegory here is we're going to take some kind of technology, a philosopher's stone, and we're going to take human nature and elevate it to be divine without Jesus Christ, without grace, without sacraments. That's the lie. That is your Genesis 3. And you shall be as gods from the mouth of Satan himself. That's false transhumanism. It is, in a way, the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was what? Nimrod, the people coming together in rebellion against God, saying, we will build a tower to heaven. In other words, we don't need God to come down and save us. We're going to create the elevator or the escalator, and we're going to carry ourselves up into heaven. That was the pride. And that's why God punished them by scattering the people. That was the punishment of Babel. You see, this, it's the same story in the Bible over and over. And this is why I tell all of y'all, you need to read the Bible cover to cover. Genesis to Apocalypse. Please, before you die, read the entire Bible. And as you read the Bible, you're going to see in Genesis chapter 3, all the way until the Apocalypse, over and over, you have two things happening. You have people seeking the Logos, seeking rationality, seeking Hokmah, seeking wisdom, Prudence, which in the Old Testament, especially in Proverbs, is personified as Lady Wisdom. And they seek elevation, wisdom, insight through God and by His grace. Then there's Lady Folly, who's often depicted as a prostitute, even in the book of Revelation. She is a prostitute. She is the whore of Babylon who rides upon the beast and works for the serpent, the dragon, in the apocalypse. And you see over and over in the Bible, humans, beginning with Adam and Eve, and then their children, and then with Nimrod, and going on and on, and then with Egypt, and then the Babylonians, humans claiming that they are divine, creating religions and idols and things in order to, in a way, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and become divine in their own power without God. I mean, if you just think about it, creating an idol, a false god, and creating your idol of that god is the ultimate kind of transhuman activity. Why? You as a human, with your hands, get to make and create and fashion God. That's elevating the humans over the divine. This is why the Ten Commandments and God from day one in the Bible has been condemning idolatry. By the way, we Catholics have statues and icons and images these are reminders, aids of the saints, Blessed Virgin Mary, Christ. But we're not fashioning and creating. I'm not saying this is who I think Jesus is and I'm going to make this form of Jesus. No. We don't get to decide who God is and fashion him in our image. 
Not at all. That's just not how it works. That's why Catholics, we can have a statue of the crucifix, statue of the Virgin Mary, statue of St. Peter, or an icon of St. Paul, or Mary Magdalene. But I can't have a statue of Zeus right here, or Pachamama, or Mercury, or Juno, Mother Earth, whatever. We don't get to do that. We have to submit to who God is. And that's the humility. See, the beginning of wisdom is fear of the Lord. The beginning of secular transhumanism is non-fear of the Lord. It's being pompous. It's being prideful. Now, let me tell you where things are going in the transhumanism world. I've been looking into it, reading about it. I find it very interesting philosophically. It used to be that, you know, we can create medicines and even prosthetics, you know, a prosthetic leg or a foot, you know, if you're a veteran and you lost a limb, they can do all kinds of wonderful things to help you. That's good. You know, I just want to say I support that. Uh, medicines that can extend life, add quality life, all of that is good as well. Where we're going now in the transhumanism is it's actually moving beyond the medical and beyond the physical body, and it's going to the mind. And what we're seeing is the emergence of the metaverse. The metaverse. What is the metaverse? The metaverse are digital universes that you can enter into. You can even buy pieces of art or clothing that you get to enjoy in the metaverse. That's right. There are pieces of art they're called NFTs, non-fungible tokens, that sell. I think one sold for $69 million. It's 100% digital. You might say, well, can't you just get a copy of that? Well, yeah, I mean, I can take a copy of the Mona Lisa, and I can have a picture of it. I can have a poster of the Mona Lisa. That doesn't mean I own the Mona Lisa. By using blockchain, you can determine who is the actual owner of these NFTs, these pieces of artwork. You could have NFTs of of shoes or clothes or hats or glasses or jewelry and you would actually own them in the metaverse there was a novel that i read called snow crash that kind of has this people are living in like empty stalls with uh basically like an ethernet or internet connection and they have these oculus things on their face and instead of living in the real world and talking to people they're in this digital world where they can choose their appearance. They can be tall, they can be short, they can be fat, thin, they can change their eyes, they can buy and sell new kinds of clothing and do upgrades, and it's all in the world. So think of it as living in a video game. And you could purchase experiences. You could say, I want to, like for example, you could say, I really want to be at Gettysburg. I want to see the Battle of Gettysburg. And some computer programmer could create the whole thing for you. You could pay for it. And you, they could even put you in a uniform and give you a gun. And you could live for like eight hours at Gettysburg and experience the whole thing. You could, in the metaverse, how things are going, you could say, uh, what's a movie like? I don't know. Um, uh, Sleepless in Seattle. That's Tom Hanks. I could say, you know what? I want to be in Sleepless in Seattle, and let's do something cooler, uh, Star Wars. 
I want to be in Star Wars New Hope Episode 4, and I, I want to watch the whole movie, but I want you to computer generate me in for Han Solo. I want to look just like, I want to have Han Solo's clothes on, but it's going to be my voice, my face, my body, everything. And you could watch that movie for, with that metaverse reality. You could be a grandmother who says, you know what, I want, I, my kids are across the planet. I want to take them to the New York Zoo. And so I'm going to get the uh, 3D images of my children. And I'm going to spend the next two hours at the zoo with 3D images of my grandchildren and talk to them. You can have business meetings. This is the kind of augmented reality that I'm worried will become like crack cocaine. And then you take the whole pornography industry and all sorts of other evil things that could happen and this thing could just spin into just complete depravity. And we become less and less, less, and less attached to actual reality. Like eating real food with your real family and going to a real church, <laughs> right? I mean, the whole idea of streaming masses, which I was kind of into when the whole COVID thing happened, like, okay, well, we can at least stream, you know, and I soon realized this is so dangerous. It's the meta, it's like a liturgical metaverse. Now, of course, it's better than nothing. If you're in a, a retirement home, you're in a remote location, I mean, watching a mass um, can be edifying and good. But when we start trading reality for only that, that's where we're going to have a big problem. That's where we're going to have a really big problem. And then you can introduce drugs to it and mind-altering substances, hormones, all kinds of things. And this could this whole transhumanism intersecting with the digital metaverse could be really bad. And it could enslave people. And let me just say this. I might get in trouble with the powers that be on the social world. But the powers that be, and by the way, the most powerful people right now is not the president and it's not bureaucrats at the UN. The most powerful people are the people that are the billionaires and the trillionaires. They are the real people who, got to say this carefully, donate to political arrangements and political campaigns. They are the emperors and the kings of our time. I think more and more people are realizing that. And they want a populace, a demographic that is weak and discouraged. And the best way you do that is you get people to be enslaved to their passions, enslaved to alcohol, enslaved to drugs, enslaved to sex and pornography and unnatural relations enslaved to digital entertainment, in, enslaved to binging uh, television programs and live streaming, enslaved to sports. And let me say, I enjoy movies. My family does. We like sports. But I'm talking about an enslavement. They want people addicted to drugs and sex because they are weak. If all you're thinking about is how do I get my next dopamine hit supplied to me from society, 
you are weak. You can't think about philosophy and ethics and the next generation and what God wants. And No, you'll do whatever the imperial billionaires want you to do so you can get the dopamine hits. This is why I say it and I'll say it again. Again, I'm just a dad with a webcam. You need to be doing penance. Penance not only is expiatory, it not only builds up treasure for you in heaven, it is the constant reminder to your flesh and to your soul that you can't have everything you want. You will eat food that you don't want to eat. You will not get as much sleep on this day. You will pray more when you do this. You will suffer in this life. It is telling your dopamine centers, you will not always be satisfied. And it's not just because I don't have money or time. I'm using my will to say no and cutting you off. We, as humans, you must, even the ancient Stoics who were not Christians, realized that they needed to spend 30 days, we Catholics do 46 days in Lent, they needed to do 30 days of suffering, of denying themselves all the pleasures of this life to reset themselves and to focus on what is the most important in this life. These people weren't even Christians, these Stoics, and they knew this principle. You must take time to say no to yourself. Constantly feeding and getting more and more and more dopamine hits. They've done it with, with mice. Eventually, they don't even eat anymore. They lose all motivation in life. We are not meant to be that way. And as humans, we are not animals. We are not monkeys and dogs and cats. We can tell ourselves, put the fork down. Go on a run. Don't eat meat on Friday. Fast till 3 p.m. Stay up and go to Eucharistic adoration. Deny yourself some sleep. Wake up early. Read the Bible. We're not animals. I mean, we are rational animals. We do belong to the animal kingdom. Even Thomas Aquinas and all the saints say that. But we have a soul. We have an intellect. We have a will. And my fear with the transhumanism is, is this is just going to turn everybody into brute beast animals. Living not in the real world with the beautiful, right now it's autumn, the beautiful brown and gold and red leaves, and but creating kind of like a Tower of Babel, a false tower, a false heaven, a false universe where I can make myself look how I want to look and change my appearance and have virtual friends who may or may not exist. Not good. So let's keep our eyes focused on what Christ came to do, and that is to lead us to the Father. How do we do that? We do that through the cross. How do we enter into the mystery of the cross? We get baptized. If we make more sins, we go to confession. How do we partake of the divine nature? We receive the Eucharist. And then also, we deny ourselves. When, when you deny yourself, you're saying, I... Not only do I not live in a perfect world, I live in a valley of tears. I'm, I'm admitting to myself that this world is not perfect. The only world that's perfect 
is the world to come, the world without end. Look, it's good to, it, today's a feast day, Albert the Great. It's good to feast. As Catholics, we have a lot of feasts. We also have a lot of fasts. I'm not saying don't ever smile, don't have fun, don't feast, don't eat good food. I'm saying there's a time for it. The church teaches us when the times are to feast, and the church teaches us when the times are to fast. So, Dante, he talks about transhumanism way, way back. But he's talking about Catholic heaven. He's not talking about the metaverse. And he's not talking about crack cocaine. And he's not talking about downloaded pornography. He's talking about beatitude, supernatural beatitude in and through Jesus Christ. That's how the opening canto of the Paradiso begins. And that's the real transhumanism. So is it okay for Christians, Catholics, to support support transhumanism? I would say, when someone asked me that, I would say no, because they're talking about the secular, billionaire, technocrat, metaverse. No. But when we talk about, as Thomas Aquinas says in in the Summa Theologia Part 1, becoming deiform, having our human nature amplified and supernaturalized by Jesus Christ so that we have the beatific vision, the vision of the divine essence? Absolutely yes. Yes all day. Yes. All right. Well, if you like this video and you learned something, you should do the thumbs up. And you should share this video. Maybe some people will watch this video, transhumanism. But a lot of people won't, so you got to share it. Go hit the share button and share it on your Facebook account. By the way, Facebook changed their name to Meta. Why? Because Facebook is going to start turning their companies and their goals into the Metaverse. Did y'all hear about that? I think it happened a week or two ago. Facebook officially did a, a DBA doing business as Meta. The Metaverse. That's where Facebook is going. So um, go ahead and just share it on Facebook. Let people know. Hit the share button, share it on Facebook. And if you're new, please do subscribe. And when you subscribe, click the bell. You'll be notified of future shows. Uh, what else do we have to do? What other? Um, oh, special thanks to everyone who supports this channel on Patreon. If you want me to send you signed books, merchandise, other cool stuff, you want a signed copy of Infiltration or signed copy of my book, Rosary and 50 Pages, go over to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall and get some real stuff. And then um, also I've been saying, pray the rosary every day. If you don't pray the rosary, you're not on the team. Read the Bible every day. Go to confession every two to four weeks. Find a traditional Latin Mass. And one of the questions that I get a lot, especially on Patreon, because on Patreon you have contact with me, is, hey, I'm thinking about moving. You know, we went through the whole COVID thing. I'm working from home. I want to take my family to a new community where I can get Latin Mass, be part of a traditional parish, etc. Where do I go? There are a number of places I recommend. One of them, of course, is Texas, where I live. And uh, if you're looking to do that, I have partnered up with Real Estate for Life. Go to realestateforlife.org, and they will put you in contact with a Christ-centered, pro-life, 
real estate agent who will know what you're looking for and can help you. Instead of just getting a random one in some other state or whatever, get connected to a good network. And that network is at realestateforlife.org. And when you do use it, let them know that Dr. Taylor Marshall sent you. Click the button, Dr. Taylor Marshall Show. And that way they know, and I would really appreciate it. That helps support the channel. So Real Estate for Life is a great resource if you are selling your house, buying your house, moving across the country. Um, make sure you do it right with the right people. And I would recommend that. I've looked into them, talked to them, and I feel good about it. So realestateforlife.org. I already said pray the rosary every day. You know, why go into a metaverse when you have the rosary? The rosary is the Bible on beads. You go through the 15 mysteries. You're reliving the life of Jesus Christ from the womb to the tomb. And then the resurrection and the ascension and the glorification and the coming of the Holy Ghost. The beads is real. You touch them and you're living in the real world, which is the life of Christ. So don't go into the metaverse. Pray the rosary. If you don't pray the rosary, you're not on the team. And by on the team, I mean fighting the battle with the battling ram as she told us to. So pray that rosary. All right, we're going to close up. Speaking of the rosary, we'll pray the Ave Maria, the Hail Mary in Latin. Oremus in nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or per nobis peccatoribus, nunc eritor mortis nostre. Amen. Nomine Patris et Fidi et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. All right, remember, it's November. We're only halfway through. Make sure you're praying for the holy souls, the poor souls in purgatory. They need your help. I did a video last week talking about why you need, no, it was two weeks ago, why you need to pray the pray for the uh, holy souls in purgatory. Check that out. Get that info. And I'm going to be doing some more philosophy. If you like the philosophy, uh, give it a thumbs up. Let me know in the comments below um, because I'm getting more questions, especially on this transhumanism thing. Um, and it's very philosophical. So if you like that, let me know. What else do I want to say about that? Yeah, I guess that. Like and subscribe, etc. And remember, our Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and Godspeed. By the way, that was the gospel today. If you're in the traditional Latin Mass, the salt and light, that was today's gospel. So if you're at Mass, you heard that. All right, be salty. <laughs>